I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gun and Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at gunnageeknetwork.com. This is the official gunnageek.com show. Each week we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. Welcome to the ultimate crossover. Not really. Uh, I am Stephen John Drew, and I am pleased to say that Stargate Pioneer is here this week. I'm here, and I'm wearing my Michael Keaton Batman jersey. 89, baby. I'm also happy to say that Chris Farrell, the one that agrees with me that Michael Keaton's a terrible Batman, he's also here. Don't blaspheme in my name. <laughs> I never said that. And if you, if I get any internet hate for that, I'm going to pull out the JS card and have him send yeah. hate of some kind. I There's don't know. something I that Chris said about Michael Keaton as Batman driving the cyber truck over a cliff. I think that's what he said. That's right. I think he actually said that he hates Michael Keaton as Batman as much as he hates the cyber truck. I think those were his exact words. <laughs> For those of you who aren't following this, apparently Chris Farrell is now known as the cyber truck hater of the guineageek.com show actually of the guineageek network i think uh i think he's taking the whole network title now i'll just embrace the role for the clicks you should you should embrace it and you should also make sure that you start tweeting how much you hate it every single minute and then tagging the show i hate cyber truck elon musk i hate cyber truck because the internet says i do i hate it so much well, if you are checking out the show for the first time, we'd like to talk geeky stuff, but we also stream this show live on Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern time. That's 5.45 p.m. Pacific time at geeks.live. But we are about to head into a little bit of a break. So if you're checking it out live, the next live show will be Monday, December 16th, 2019. We will be a little early because we will have two. That's right. We will have two Gunna Geek shows recorded on Monday, December 16th. And this is going to all kick off a little bit early because, again, we need to get those two shows in. And I don't want Chris and SP, the East Coasters, to have to stay up too, too late. We know that they get cranky when they don't get their warm milk by 9 p.m. So 4 p.m. Pacific time. That is 7 p.m. Eastern. We should be kicking off the first show more or less, there'll be a little bit of a break in between shooting for that second sh recording to be at the usual 5.45 p.m. Pacific time, 8.45 p.m. Eastern. Just know it'll all kick off around 7 p.m. Eastern time on Monday the 16th. And then from there, chaos will unfold. Well, that's because the short break is because we have to go off and we have to watch Star Wars Episode Nine in between the two recordings. <laughs> Fair enough. I hope it doesn't suck. It will. Uh, let's go ahead and move on <laughs> to the news. <laughs> let's start the news with the 30%. What is the 30%, Chris Farrell? Well, I'm about to tell you about that. It's what you owe me in taxes. It's true. 
The thirty mm-hmm. percent. No, I don't own that in taxes. But the thirty percent is all no, about. No, no, no. It's not taxes. It's tariffs. It's in between countries. Oh, that's oh, true. Yeah, it's, it's true. So where, where, Stephen? Where's my money? Where's my money? Okay, the thirty percent is all about Google's cut because they recently came under some scrutiny for continuing to charge their standard thirty percent fee on Fortnite-related sales. If you didn't know this, Fortnite is a very popular video game program that uh, is available on a variety of different platforms, and one of which is Android. So there is a 30% cut that Google's taking, and recently the developer Epic came out and was like, that's too much sort of thing. And a lot of people sort of questioned whether Fortnite, when they're doing as large sales as they they have been, should still have to pay that 30%. Well, Google publicly came out and said that they will continue to stand behind the 30% fee. They say Android enables multiple app stores and choices for developers to distribute apps. Google Play has a business model and a billing policy that allows us to invest in our platform and tools to help developers build successful businesses while keeping users safe, end quote. That was a Google spokesman to The Verge. We welcome any developer that recognizes the value of Google Play and expect them to participate under the same terms as other developers. Now, this isn't the first time we've seen somebody in hot water like Google Play. No, Apple commonly has been under in hot water with the percentage of that's being charged for the store. But it's just interesting to see Google continue to uh, come out there and stand their ground and just openly, you know, not even just try to brush it under the rug, just like be like, yep, we're charging the 30%. Chris Farrell, what's your take on this? I know you're a big app developer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, if that's the rules, that's the rules. I don't care how big your game is. I'm pretty sure iOS takes somewhere between 30 to 60% of a cut, too. That's why there's the iOS subscription tax you see in a lot of services where it costs you 30% more to subscribe through iOS instead of going through a website. This is the rules, and it takes some pretty big brass balls to decide, hey, we're going to ask for an exemption because our game is big. What's the point of Google putting you on their platform then? If you're going to make your money off of microtransactions that you're saying, Google, we want to use your platform, but not conform to the rules you've put in place, similar to the same rules that Apple has. And I'm trying to check right now to see how much of a cut that iOS takes. This is dumb. This is stupid. And it's ridiculous. They thought they should be exempt. And if you really want Fortnite right now, you can sideload it for free and you can do things that way and not have to pay the Google tax because that's how people have been doing it. But the trade-off is not a lot of people are comfortable sideloading apps. It's a lot safer and easier to go through the Google Play Store. That's why they want to be there. Pay the money if you want to be there, Epic. Pay the money. SP, what's your take on this? I think this is the beginnings of Fortnite's cellular mobile network. This is the only way that they're going to be able to actually get a cut of their own game is to develop mobile devices on their own cellular network that they can charge whatever they want on and nobody else gets to take a cut. So what you're saying is that this is the new Verizon? Is that what you're saying? Can you hear me now? (laughs) What? Uh, Yeah, I'm with Chris on this. Totally with Chris that I think if that's the policy, that's the policy. but. You know, not that people shouldn't be willing to think 
a little bit differently and be willing to come up with the idea of how they might solve it for their own personal platform if if they're wanting to go another way. Like Comixology was one who early in the days that Apple went and they're like, we don't want to pay the Apple tax. And so they went and they did give another opportunity for how Apple, how they could skirt that and they developed their own infrastructure. Now, here's the thing that became very difficult for the end user and was not a very easy process as such. So then it kind of helped solidify the offerings that was the easy in-app purchase that was being offered at the time through Apple. So feel free to try how you want manufacturers, developers, all that, but it doesn't mean that your end users are going to like it. This just strikes me as dumb and they're acting like they're entitled because Fortnite is such a big deal. And near as I can tell from my researching right now, they're already paying 30% to Apple for any purchase, excuse me, purchases of Fortnite stuff through the iOS store. So if you're really all about being like, oh, we want to make a change in the smartphone industry. Why aren't you asking Apple also? Oh, because Apple's going to say the same damn thing. This is the price you pay to distribute games on that network. And I found some other quotes they had here. They did an interview and they're like, Epic operates a major PC storefront and a payment service. We do not force developers using our store to use our payment ecosystem. Okay, good for you. You know how Google and Android and Apple play. You decided to play the game. I, I don't feel bad for you. You can decide not to distribute your app that way. And then you get 0% of your money instead of 70% of it. This is ridiculous to me. And this is why I charge Chris Farrell for every app that he downloads. I put a little mm -hmm. spyware on his device. So he has to go through the Steven John Drew Play Store. And yes, that's exactly like it sounds. Yes, you can use your imagination that's for fair. that. That's fair. I think there might be some confusion as to what's going on here via a chat comment that was just made is that this game is in fact free to download and play. However, there are in-app purchases that do require going through one of the stores, the mobile stores, in this case, the Google Play Store, could be the iOS store here over on the Apple side. So it's the in-app purchases which make up the bulk of how Fortnite actually makes money. So the bulk of the money is being taxed at a 30% rate for Google Play. And iOS. Thank you for clearing that up. I appreciate you clearing that up, SP. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, the, the takeaway here is you can play the game for free if you want to. You don't have to buy crazy skins or make your guns look weird ways or buy battle passes. They're all cosmetic optional upgrades that add little flares to the game, but it's still infinitely playable without. And you know what? I've played Fortnite, not a ton, but I played a little bit and I went, it's not quite the game for me. Didn't sink any money into it, but I know there's tons of kids that do that because you can watch them all come into GameStop or Target and things like that. And they're buying Fortnite cards, basically, that are cash equivalent of Fortnite bucks to go and redeem them on their store of choice and buy the battle pass and different skins and stuff like that. That's fine. You can do that. But like I said before, the price to play on these platforms is they get a 30% cut and you knew it. And for you to be belly aching about it now and be like, we're making a stand for everyone when you're confronting one of the stores where this happens that you just now asked to be on when you put yourself on an, on iOS in 2018 BS. I call BS. It would actually work, Chris, if they could get together with everybody that uses Google Play to supplement the in-app transactions 
or through the Android OS transactions, if they could get everybody together or a significant portion of the money that's flowing through there and they collectively put their foot down and said, 30% is too much. Let's do 20%. Let's do 15. Let's do 10%. Something like that. That would work. How well did that work when they tried to do that to Apple? It didn't. It's not going to work here either. It wasn't everybody, first of all. Second of all, it's never never going to happen to everybody. Exactly. That's my point. And again, this, I was making a joke that agreed with you guys before (laughs) is that this, this would be the Fortnite mobile network, right? That was the only way that they're going to be able to charge what they want. And it's not going to happen because they're not going to have the infrastructure. They're not going to have the hardware. They're not going to have the towers. They're not going to have the people that come to them. Look at how the Windows infrastructure went. Look at. I mean, I guess if they want to do it like a Linux OS, maybe that would work, but it's just not going to happen. Everybody's or, cemented into their own OSs. Will there be another OS eventually? Maybe, but right now we've got Android and we got iOS, and those are the two main players. This is a big nothing burger to me because you can sideload it and get around this. You can sideload it. You just have to do it, and then you don't have to distribute that way that's what they've been doing and now they just want to be in the google play store because it's easier to distribute Mm -hmm. and get people to buy purchases because your average consumer is like sideload how do i do that this scares me because i'm getting away from the google play store protections and anything can be installed because i think we had a news story on this show when they first put fortnite out on on android about a glitch that was exposed that basically made it so malware could be installed on your phone if you sideloaded it in there so it's a problem in that regard and I don't know. This one irks me and you can all probably tell because I'm just kind of <laughs> what the what the hell epic? What the hell? Well, I put a poll up at geeks.live to our live audience asking whether the live audience thought that companies like Google should take a 30% cut of developer sales and it's about split between 70 and 30% more or less. 70% saying yes, they agree. 30% saying no. So there you go. 30% of the people say, no, maybe they think that I can only assume that they think that Google should be taking 40 or 50%. I think that that's the only logical conclusion. Well, I would question, and and this isn't something we have to answer, but just a thought for people and feel free to tweet us or send us messages. What is the fair cut then? Because they are leveraging services from Google. They're leveraging services from Apple. What's the fair cut? Yeah, no, that's fair. And I think there's also worth considering when you look at all sorts of other areas of sales, like people who are selling on Amazon, people who are selling on eBay, they have to get they have to pay a certain cut as well. You know, uh, Patreon takes a cut of all of those SP sales, right? SP takes sells lots of stuff on Patreon to his exclusive podcast listeners. Oh, yeah. My exclusive podcast mastermind group. Mm-hmm. It, just, it all comes to me. All, all <laughs> the money. Yeah. Yep. I like Liberty Dude's comment of 30.01% should go to Google. Sold. Yeah, Sold. <laughs> well, moving on to the next news point that's titled Chris's Crisis. That's right. So if you have been following the Starling Tribune or even this show and some of the other shows in the network, There's been a lot of excitement and questioning about what's going to happen with the upcoming Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover on the CW. They're taking five episodes of shows like Supergirl, Batwoman, The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow to do their own take on the classic comic book series. 
The very first episode recorded, or excuse me, aired yesterday as we record this on December 8th. And the ratings are in. So I just wanted to mention what they were. The first episode, which was technically Supergirl on Sunday night, drew a 1.67 million total viewers, which is a 0.6 demo rating. Down just slightly from last year's crossover kickoff, which was a 1.83 rating with a 0.7 demo. Still, it is the best uh, CW time slot and best demo number since Batwoman season opener this year. So all in all, pretty good ratings for Crisis, down just a tick, but we know that a lot of their audience likes to watch it via uh, DVRs at a later time or via the app or buying the digital copies of the episode. So I'm sure that number is only going to jump up a little bit. And they also kind of copied The Walking Dead and similar other shows where they have like Talking Dead and stuff like that. And Kevin Smith was hosting a Crisis Aftermath show, which retained 700,000 people and pulled in a .2 demo. Fairly respectable one with everything said and done. I'll be curious to see what the plus threes look like and what the rest of the episodes in this look like to see whether Crisis lives up to all of the hype that's been coming up with it. I do know that some of those might be skewed a little bit because for some reason, my local CW did not show this episode until 11 p.m. because they preempted it to show reruns in some uh, weird radio talk show at like 7 p.m. So I have no idea why it was all preempted, but Crisis wasn't on until 11 and the after show at midnight. So if that happened in other areas, that could have potentially skewed those demographics and those ratings just a little bit because not everyone's watching during the prime viewing time. They're watching after the fact. But nonetheless, Crisis is here. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. I think the rating is solid. What do you guys think? I think the After Crisis show was Kevin Smith. It was the best show ever. It was just so great. You got Mark Guggenheim on there and you've got <laughs> Kevin Smith's hands going everywhere. The entire show. It was just maddening. It was, oh my God, dude, put the hands behind your back in handcuffs. SP, he's super high when he's recording that, I bet. I, he had to been. And I was just thinking in terms of the fact that he just recently had a heart attack, right? And he was coming out of that and everything. I'm like, oh, dude, you just need to take it easy. Anyway, he, he smokes a lot of weed. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I took a look at the ratings in the Starling Tribune show notes because I keep them every week in the show notes cumulative for the specific year. And Batwoman season premiere, the pilot episode was a 1.86 and the next closest one was the flash season premiere at 1.62. So this was the second highest rating show on CW for the year for all of the shows that have aired so far. Legends of Tomorrow hasn't aired yet, but they wouldn't get this type of ratings on their show, at least not anymore. So, yeah, a lot of people were tuning in to see everything. And if you want to hear us talk about what actually happened in the episode, you're going to have to catch this week's episode of Starling Tribune. I can't believe that they made it so that they all start off at the same timeline as episode one of Arrow. I can't believe they time traveled that far back. That was crazy. Mind blowing. They reset the whole series. Wow. Yeah, of course. But as a side note, if you want to. <laughs> You will be talking about Crisis as part of the Starling Tribune, like SP mentioned, but the Discord's the place to be right now. There's boatloads of discussion. So if you go to, uh, what is it, gunnageek.com slash Discord, mm -hmm. you can go to the Starling Tribune channel and the theories abound and the strong opinions about what has been going on abounds. And we will 
not bring those strong opinions up here because this is not the right platform for it. But I strongly encourage you to check out the Discord and check out the Starling Tribune. We are not shy in our opinions, I think, is the best way of putting it. Okay, so I, I want to hop back to the actual ratings discussion here for a minute and kind of leave the rest of it aside. First off, we need to remember this is part of Supergirl, okay? So there's a lot of people who probably forgot to set their DVRs who don't watch Supergirl because let's be honest, last season <laughs> sucked. There is a lot of people who, who didn't like last season of Supergirl and dropped off as such. I kept going for whatever knows reason. I think I had a bunch stacked up at the end and watched them or whatever. It honestly was not that good. This was Supergirl that kicked it all off. However, there's in general been a bit of uh, depletion of ratings across the CW verse. Okay. When we look at this and we look and we kind of compare it to Batwoman, we also need to think a little bit about some of the comments that came out when Batwoman was launched. And there was a lot of people who had disparaging things to say about Batwoman, thinking that they took the character of Batman and just decided, let's make it a woman, not knowing the history of the character. And the reason I cite this is because that's the type of attention that it got was a bunch of people seeing the term Batwoman, not being sure about the history of it. And potentially that's a good indication that there were some new eyes on it, thus the elevated premiere. If it was another character, I don't know, even though it's a new series, I don't know that we would have got that same sort of big uh, uptick on the premiere. But because it was Batwoman and a lot of people were like, oh, what, I, I, Batwoman? And, and they checked it out. So that's obviously quite high. I, I think that if you throw that aside, if you throw that aside and you look at all of the other ratings, that's not Batwoman because I, I, I'm trying to prove the point that Batwoman is not a fair comparison here. When you look at everything else, I think that Crisis so far, even though it's a low number, is a pretty pretty big success compared to the scope of the rest of the CW-verse as it stands. So a couple of things here. We follow the ratings over on Starling Tribune pretty vehemently, and we have done the ratings with the DVR Plus 7, and it picks up about a million viewers per show in the week following and the stream we haven't gotten the streaming numbers but they have been picking up and cw has a free app so it doesn't matter if you have access to the cw tv shows or, or not the, the channel or not you can pick up these shows starting the day after because they put them all on the app i can't remember if it's midnight eastern or 3 a.m eastern which would be midnight pacific so they're available there and they pick up a million viewers on the dvr plus whatever they pick up on the streaming app. So keep that in mind. The other thing, I want to ask you a question, Stephen, because you brought up the differences in the Batman, Batwoman. Would you think the ratings would have been as high for the premiere if it was Catwoman, a known character? Probably not. No, I don't think so. I think if it was any DC character that has a lot of that has a lot of recognition as it was. I don't think it would. I think that because like the reason I was citing those YouTube comments and the amount, you know, like the amount of thumbs down that were on that first trailer and things like that was because I think it really showed people's unfamiliarity with the character of Batwoman. And when people are unfamiliar and when they paint their own little picture of what the character is in a negative way, they want to check it out just so that they can they they can be in on it and they could get ready to 
to blast their agenda or they could be there to judge or just out of curiosity. So I think if it was any, you know, big, big name recognition character to the general public, I think that it wouldn't have been. But I think because a lot of people didn't know of the Batwoman character, I think I think that it, it got elevated. But your point is that this is a big ratings coup having this crossover within Supergirl. I think that I think that there is a lot to be to be had still with the DVR ratings, but I do think that this shows that it's actually being a success. Even though these numbers seem a little low, I think that the crisis is a success with these numbers when you discard Batwoman and you consider that this was on Supergirl. The highest rated Supergirl episode this year was the premiere and it was at 1.26 and it had steadily declined. It was hovering around 0.8 before the crossover. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that, uh, I don't know. I I think that this is a pretty good success overall uh, so far, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I do think we'll have a huge amount of DVR, especially with that weird situation Chris mentioned. You're right. How many different uh, partners or whatever you call them had that same issue? Right. It's a pain in the butt. And I know I was frustrated and I saw all my local friends on Facebook. They're all like, what the hell? Where's crisis? And they're like, oh, 11 p.m.? I got to go to bed or my kids can't stay up that late to watch it. And it's a frustrating thing. Well, we'll see what happens and how it all shakes out. But I asked our live chat if they're watching Crisis. 40% said, yep, watching it episode to episode. 50% said, watching it episode to episode. 17% said, they'll watch it when it's done. 33% said no. Moving on to the next news point here. What do you got coming out of space? Because everybody's talking about Baby Yoda, and we should talk more about space. Oh, I wish. There's lots of Baby Yoda stories out there right now. And a lot of it is merchandising. Right now, because they were, I don't think they were prepared for the success of Baby Yoda, and they're rapidly trying to get those toys and plush dolls out or whatever stuffed dolls. But no, we're not talking about anything that cute. We're actually talking about a spaceship, a spaceship in development right now. What we're talking about is Boeing's Starliner and its first test, and actually had a little bit of a delay. This was via a article on space.com by Megan Bartles a few days ago, and she dictates what happened with the Starliner. Boeing's first on-crewed test of its Starliner spacecraft for astronauts is now set for no earlier than December 20th, one day later than planned. This is due to a SpaceX launch delay Earlier this week, it was delayed one day due to weather so that they had to delay the wet dress rehearsal. The United Launch Alliance announced the 24-hour slip for Starliner today, December 6th, after successfully completing a critical wet dress rehearsal for Boeing's upcoming test flight on an Atlas V rocket. During that rehearsal, Boeing, NASA, and ULA fueled the Atlas V and practiced an entire launch countdown up to T-minus zero. NASA's astronaut Mike Finkel, who will be flying on the first crewed Starliner mission, was in Boeing's mission control at Kennedy Space Center for the test. He will be flying with Boeing astronaut Chris Ferguson, who is a former space shuttle commander, and NASA colleague Nicole Mann. So we're getting closer to having not one, but two manned or crewed space vehicles in the United States. Nice. 
This is always good to see when there is a delay like this, but minor. Uh, it shows that their timeline is a little bit like it's reasonable because, you know, that's that's what I really judge when there ends up being situations that there's there's a large delay or a large setback or something goes wrong. And now things are way pushed out. It means that they've they've put too much of an ambitious timeline and to keep things relatively status quo shows that somebody has actually thought things through when they set a timeline. So SP way to go. I heard you're responsible for this. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> I just like the fact that we're going to get a couple of crude spacecraft within the next year or so, depending on if everything goes successful or not. I think we've gotten past most of the dangerous parts where they would explode or something like that. I think we're going to see a couple of successful launches to the International Space Station, bringing cargo and then they'll start the crude test plan. And we're going to get an actual launch here within a couple of months, really. And it's exciting. And I don't know if Starliner is going to be covered with the same internet sensation that SpaceX has been covering their stuff. It depends on if Boeing actually gets on their social media people to actually get it going or not. I don't know. But the SpaceX one is going to be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, SpaceX promotes the heck out of their stuff to make it so that people are excited and build up the buzz. It's well done in that regard. And I do have to say, as SP was talking about the uh, crude vehicle and stuff like that, I paused for a second. I'm like, crude vehicle? This thing's fancy and cutting edge. And I paused. And went, oh, he meant C-R-E-W-E-D, not C-R-U-D-E, crude. I was like, oh, oh I, I was having a moment. I was like, I was like, SP, why are you taking a shot? This is awesome. <laughs> right. So this is something that a lot of the outlets, the news outlets have undertaken, and especially space.com. They have not called it a manned spacecraft because it's sexist, of course. So they've gone to calling it a crude spacecraft. And I have a problem with that because it sounds like it's crude or raw. Right. And I think there's a better way to state this, but space.com specifically keeps calling it crude. So that's why I slip in manned or on manned when I'm talking about this stuff. All right. So the bottom line in here is that uh, we have a wet dress. Is that is that what I heard? Is that the bottom line? So do you guys know what a wet dress rehearsal is for a spacecraft? Uh, something to do with Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Is that right? Oh, you, you had to go. No, no. Okay, so what a wet dress rehearsal is, is when you actually do everything, including the fueling and the pressurization of the tanks and everything, and so thus wet, because the spacecraft is wet or fueled, and then you have to go and discharge or unfuel the spacecraft afterwards and wait for the actual launch day. So that's what a wet dress is. It's everything that you would do, including the, the fuel, and the only thing you don't do is actually light the rocket. Uh, I'm pretty sure that you're wrong. And the wet dress is to do with the excitement that Chris Farrell was earlier talking about. I'm pretty sure that is what the wet dress is all about. No checks out. <laughs> SP, thank you very much for that. Now, before we move on to the extra extra, I want to hit back on a little inside joke that I threw in there. Okay. I threw in a joke as we segued about baby Yoda. And the reason I did that was because there was earlier today, I forget what the situation was, SP, feel free to fill in if you want. There was a general quote about how everybody's talking about baby Yoda, and that's the problem because nobody's talking about real space stuff. That's the summary of what the quote was all about. And 
I just wanted to bring that up here because I think I've said it before. I'll say it a thousand more times. I think it's very important that people continue to talk about space stuff because if we don't, then we end up in the situation that we are in where things went stagnant for so long. We were so mind blown with the shuttle and everything. And then we just went stagnant until we needed a replacement and it was mandated because we couldn't keep using the technology. We got complacent. And so I think that there is some vali validity in that general general notion that people need to keep talking about space stuff and keep that interest there. I learned something new about the space shuttles this week, and that is the suckers actually have a title. Like the, the vehicle itself has a vehicle title to it. And I had really? no idea. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize it is because the National Air and Space Museum, as they took possession of their copy of the space shuttle, they actually had a title transfer from NASA to the Smithsonian. I was like, what? wait, wait, they have title. I want to see this. So I've never seen the title of the space shuttle. And I've asked to see one. We'll see if I actually get the actual title, you know, the title. <laughs> I I bet it's got a picture of it's got to be out there somewhere. And let me guess, the bill of sale for that was $1. There's probably a $1 bill of sale because you can't gift anything that has a bill of title. <laughs> it's an intergovernmental transfer, so I, I don't think the sale price really mattered. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our extra extra here. We just got a couple of quick points we want to hit on. Number one, let's start off with Netflix. Wow, if you haven't checked out Netflix, you should go to Netflix US Twitter because they had a very successful weekend. I think it was Friday. They made a little post on there and uh, borderline adult conversation, but technically all allowed because it's part of life. Blah, 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 blah. Anyways, long story short said, what is one thing that you can say during sex that you can also say when you control a Twitter brand account? So essentially, what is it? What is something that you can say during, we'll leave it at that, uh, that you can also say when you are from a brand account? And there was all sorts of different brands that got involved. It is worth sitting down and scrolling through the replies. I don't think they realized how much this was going to take off. You had Ben and Jerry's, you had Charmin, you had Ford Mustang, you had a whole bunch of brands responding to this with some very, very creative things. There was a couple of brands that deleted their tweet afterwards. I don't know what it said, but obviously they decided that it wasn't allowed. <coughs> Best Buy. But there was uh, some things that uh, were very funny and very, very pushing of the brand, Charmin being one. So I, I just think is worth Noting right now and encouraging people to check out the Netflix US Twitter. So twitter.com slash Netflix. Find that it was from, I guess, Friday the... What would that have been? I think it was Friday the 6th, somewhere in there, maybe Thursday yep. the 5th. And uh, definitely read through those. I know you spent a dinner doing it or reading them with your family. I spent some time reading them myself. Uh, totally fun. It was hilarious. It was, you know, the, it was amazing to me the amount of participation from actual companies and most of it was respectful adult in nature when you get the double entendre but it was actually respectful there was some camaraderie back and forth and i think at the end of the day so it did start on the fifth thursday the fifth so they had thursday and friday to fool around with this in their offices I think at the end of the day, some of the Twitter accounts were going to their higher up saying, look, we need to get in on this because this is a viral moment. 
and everybody else's. And this is what I want to say. I wonder how many were pre-approved before they were sent out there. Obviously, the Best Buy one was not. I have no idea what the Best Buy one said, but there was an insinuation on what it was. And yes, it would have been bad. Uh, I really like Ubisoft because their response, Ubisoft. Well done, Ubisoft. Well done. <laughs> That's pretty good. That, that response actually got some rice because we were talking about it at dinner and that got rice into the nose of at least one person at the table. It wasn't me. It was funny. So check that out. Twitter.com slash Netflix. Uh, I won't set up a short link or anything. Just go there and read it. And well done, Netflix. And last in our extra extra here. Chris, you need to dig into that drawer of yours and pour one out for Windows Phone because Windows Phone 10 is indeed almost officially done. Microsoft announced that the end of support is December 10th, 2019. Well, they've locked it down, I should say, at December 10th, 2019. So if you have Windows 10 Mobile, Version 1709 is the latest release of Windows 10 Mobile, and the support will end officially as of December 10th, 2019, which the day we're recording this is tomorrow. This is going to apply to Windows 10 Mobile products, including mobile and mobile enterprise editions. So, Suncast, I know you're watching this right now. I know you're watching us live. I know you're a big Windows Phone user. I'm sorry. So, sorry, Suncast, you can no longer use your Windows 10 phone. Poor Suncast. <laughs> Chris Farrell, did you ever have a Windows 10 phone? I can't remember if you did. I had a Windows 6.5 phone. I think it was a Moto Q, if I recall correctly. Before I got my iPhone, I used that, and it was uh, bad. It's bad. I wanted Windows 10 phone. Uh, I didn't get one because I saw the way that there was no apps, but... I still think that their whole Windows 7 phone, Windows 10 phone, the general uh, feel that they had for it was was better than everything else at the time. I think that it was just a really intuitive interface and was was nicer and I think customizable in a better way, too. And I just thought it was a very welcoming and friendly interface. However, obviously, people disagreed with me because Windows 10 phone, as we know, is no more. If you had a Windows 10 phone, please get in touch with us through any of the ways. We would love to hear from you because not a lot of people had Windows 10 phone. And so we want to hear from someone who actually did. Tell us what your experience was with it, because it sounds like a myth to us. <laughs> did it actually exist? I had a friend in Minnesota who had one. It was his work phone, and they were using Windows 10 mobile for their work enterprise. and. Gross. Yeah, he was talking to me about the time that he had to switch over to Android or iOS. And I think he decided to go with Android for a bunch of different reasons. And they weren't mandated anything at work anymore. So he was glad ultimately to get off of it. But when he was working it, he was espousing the benefits of it because you're going back and forth between Microsoft products. You know, you had the Microsoft CE, Office CE, whatever that was called that was on the phone so you could go back and forth with that and i think compatibility is less an issue today because you can go back and forth between google docs and word all the time and the stuff just works and i know the same is true with ios so yeah 
All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to Geek Wars. Well, it has been a bit of a rough year for Star Trek fans, and this weekend was no different. This past weekend, the actor who played Odo, Rene Albergenois, did pass. So I thought today we would do a bit of a tribute to Rene as I asked some Odo-related questions. This is something that also comes on the heel, I'll admit it, on me doing a DS9 rewatch. It's been a year or so in the making where I've had lulls several months at a time, but I literally just finished it. I think it was last week. I finished my DS9 rewatch. So I, I was very inspired to do this. I pulled out some questions here. The Odo character, as I rewatched it, I didn't appreciate Odo, I have to say, when I first watched DS9, because I always felt like it was it was the data of this show. I remember actually having a conversation with my brother being like, what is this supposed to be data? Because I just felt like it was they were trying to make a data data on the show. But looking back and rewatching it, I think that Odo had one of the best arcs, especially when you look at the pre Deep Space Nine, like actual like within continuity, the pre Deep Space Nine, the Tarek Nor stuff. I think when you look at that character, he has an amazing, amazing amount of depth compared to many other characters on that show. And so I really wanted to do a Geek Wars that is all Odo-related questions. Are you guys ready for this? This could be tough, but I'm in. No, but I'll respect the Renee, that's for sure. All <laughs> right. So let's go ahead and kick it off here with our first question. During his time on Terok Nor, Odo was asked by Gal Dukat to investigate the murder of a Bajoran collaborator. During this situation, he lied about not knowing the identity of the murderer, who later was confirmed to have been Kira. This investigation has a very interesting Odo or origin story. Was this notable because this was the first time that Odo was A, indicating his affection for Kira, B, was called Constable, C, first used his shape-shifting to impersonate someone, or D, first time that he betrayed the Bajorans? And we'll go ahead and play this a little differently this time, where you each can have a chance to answer each question. Let's start off with you, Chris. What do you think? I'll say indicated an affection for Kira. All right. Chris says that. SP? First time he was called Constable, at least on the show. That's going to go ahead and make it one for SP. SP nice. is correct. It was the first wow. time that he was called Constable. Kira did. And at first, he kind of, it, it was actually sort of a disparaging comment like as far as his history goes like this was his history right it was a disparaging thing but then he later took it as as an affectionate thing so way to go sp Woohoo! the next one that we've got here is what was the name of the scientist that discovered and studied odo are we getting options here or do i just have to know 
Was it A, Dr. Moro Paul, B, Dr. Pulaski, or C, Dr. Braun? A. Chris, A. It's, I, I don't know, but I know it's not Pulaski, so I'll go with C. That means that Chris is at one. Uh, I was right. It wasn't Dr. Pulaski. Braun was from next gen, I think. <laughs> Dr. Braun was next gen. See, I took it easy <laughs> on you guys. Question number three. Odo stepped up to represent Miles O'Brien during what type of hearing? Was it A, a Federation mutiny hearing? B, a Romulan espionage hearing? C, a Section 31 related hearing? Or D, a Cardassian court hearing? I'll go with Section 31. I'll go Romulan espionage. You are both incorrect. I'll take it. (laughs) It was during a Cardassian court hearing. And that was sort of the first time that we really got to see the depth of how um, slimy the Cardassians truly were, because that was where they explained that all Cardassian court hearings are just for show. You're already guilty. You have no way out of it. There's no real way that you can do anything. And the reason Odo was able to was because technically his credential from back uh, when he was on Tarak Nor, his Cardassian credentials were still valid and allowed him to represent somebody in that court this was early ds9 wasn't it? i think it was and they ended up gaming it to get miles out of it because otherwise he was he was guilty my early ds9 knowledge is so bad (laughs) i know this is 176 episodes by the way over the course of what seven years so yeah it's and i only watched them once question number four what season did Odo first make contact with his people? I will not give you a number. I remember this. I remember the episode because I remember how it happened. It was, um, gosh, he, he, I think it was there with Kira. And they went to kind of the edge of a, a, a liquid lake sort of thing. And, and he ended up getting uh, contact with his people. And if I'm wrong, whatever. But <laughs> so I would say it was either season three or four. I'm going to go with four. Nah. I'll go three then because I was between yeah, okay. three and four. Okay. <laughs> All right. That puts Chris at two because it was season three. Now it was actually season three, episode one. So it was barely oh, wow. season three. Okay. They, I, I, as I rewatched this, didn't realize how early on they had the whole changeling thing in there. I thought it was way, way later, but that was around for a very long time. It was was around the middle of the series. That's why I was going three or four. (laughs) All right. Next one here. What host did Odo serve as during Jadzia's Jantara ceremony? What host? Would you like some names? Was it because sure. I can only think of one? Was it A. Trias, B. Duran, C. Curzon, or D. Varad? A. Trias, B. Duran, C. Curzon, D. Varad. You want me to say C, <laughs> but that seems too obvious because Curzon's the Dax they always reference, and I'm thinking this is a trap. Oh, that's right, old man Curzon. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, I'm going to go with Jaron just because I like the name. All right. A. So, Karias, I think. You are both incorrect. It was actually Curzon. And the story with this was because of his his shape-shifting or something with that. He got stuck as Curzon. He got stuck for a brief time. So, So then Ben got to interact. They got to, you know... Have a little Curzon time before Curzon had to go back. Congrats yep, to right. What the Muffin. What the Muffin got it. Yeah. Way to go. Uh, also, uh, next question, number six. Odo was briefly forced to be a solid. How did he get back his shape-shifting oh, abilities? I this one. How? Uh, Chris. All right. Uh, well, I'll, okay. I'll get. I'll give you. Uh, I mean, yeah, if you're giving us okay. multiples, go ahead. Sure. I, I wasn't sure. No, do the multiples. Sure, Sorry, I'll give I don't you want to Was it a Julian managed to obtain a solve through section thirty-one? B another shape sifter. C the great link restored them. Or D the prophets. Uh, B. What? So you're I, saying B the, another shape shifter? Another shape shifter. Uh, I'll go with the great length, but okay. All right. That means that Chris is correct. It was a it baby was. he found. It was. It was a baby. It was a baby. And he uh, started to lose his whatever they term they made up for the rigid, the ability right. to shapeshift. And so then he went into his hands. So that means Chris is at three. SP is at one. And what the muffins at two. The next one, number seven. When he got his shape-shifting abilities back, what was the first thing that he did? Did he A, revert back to his natural gelatinous state? B, he shape-shifted to add a belt back to his, his uniform? Or C, he flew as a hawk across the promenade? I already know the answer, SP, so go ahead and guess first. So that- I'm, I'm going to go with one because there was this whole thing with him being one with the gelatinous group. And Chris See? is saying that he went as a hawk across the promenade. He did, and he left his okay. uniform sitting in front of Orcs, I believe it was. There, yeah, was, there was an empty uniform. There was an empty there. uniform. He, was, he got naked. He got nude, SP, and flew as a hawk. Yeah. <laughs> naked dancing. Wasn't the uniform part of him, though? Well, it no, was... But when he became solid, he could no longer oh, shapeshift. So he had okay. he had to go to uh, to Garrick's, and Garrick uh-huh. made him a uniform because he also, when he became made a solid, he got thrown out of the Great Link naked. So lots of naked, mm-hmm. lots of naked Odo, and he got turned into a Klingon while he was a solid too. He did. You're absolutely mm-hmm. correct on that. Question number eight, and I only did nine questions. So question number eight: What did Odo ultimately cite? as the reason for wanting to stay with the Great Link at the end of the series? Was it A, to cure them, B, because it was his home, or C, to help them see the solids differently? B. Uh, C. That puts Chris at five because he did he did say that he needed to stay so that he is something about so I can share what I know and have them see the solids differently or something to that effect. I was going back and forth between the two, but it was also, you know, I think it's because it was home, you know, his race is home. I think that was part of his mentality, but uh, I'm not going to argue with the correct answer. (laughs) And the last question, 
What was the last action that Odo, Odo did for Kira before he walked into the Great Link? Did he A, fly as a hawk, B, change into a tuxedo, or C, he did that gelatinous linking thing with Kira? You know, where they put themselves up against his jelly self against her hands. Go ahead, Chris. Three. You Option say, C. You say that he did the jelly thing? I think so. Did the jelly I don't thing? Remember. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go to the tuxedo. That means that SP gets one final point because Woo! he did put a tuxedo on and he made a comment about how she liked how he looked in it. And then he walked into the link to the great link in his tuxedo. I do remember that. So I there you go. <laughs> Just wanted to pay homage. Another great loss out of the Star Trek universe. Uh, I have to say, you know, a few years ago, I would definitely not have been guessing the names that we'd be losing out of Star Trek. Uh, I definitely would have guessed some other names. I, I always held hope for some form of minor DS9 reboot of some form, just a short little run. But it's sad. Well, also, we've lost the Star Trek writer DC Fontana in the last week, too. That's true. We did. You're absolutely correct. You're correct on that. I should have mentioned that. Mm -hmm. And then Aaron Eisenberg earlier this year mm -hmm. from Space Nine. Yeah. So it's been a, been a tough year for sure. But I just thought I would do that. I knew I wanted to do a Geek Wars. And then when I heard that news, I thought, ah, it's a nice way to pay homage to Renee. So that's going to go ahead and bring us to the end of the show. Before we wrap up, I just want to take a moment to plug the Gunna Geek Network in general. There's a lot of really great geeky content on the Gunna Geek Network. You should please, please check that out. GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Lots of awesome podcasts. And again, if you'd like to check us out live, December 16th, next Monday, will be our last live episode for a couple of weeks until the new year. So please uh, check us out there. We'll have a couple of fun episodes. Chris, is there anything that you want to plug or promote? Yes, we mentioned it during my news story. Crisis is ongoing. If you want to chat crisis, come join us on the Gunna Geek Discord, gunnageek.com slash discord. There is the Starling Tribune channel where we will be going uh, full spoilery discussions in there. Just use your spoiler tags when you're in there. SP, anything you want to plug or promote? Over on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're actually wrapping up Cloak and Dagger since it's been canceled. Season two is it for us, but the Runaways come out this weekend Coincidentally, also The Expanse comes out this weekend, so I'm probably going to be devoting a lot of time to The Expanse and only the minimal amount of time to The Runaways, but we will be talking about Runaways Season 3. It is also the final season of The Runaways, so lots of stuff going on in the Marvel Universe, wrapping stuff up and getting ready for the shows that are going to come on Disney Plus later next year. So on that note, for episode 313 of the officialgunnageek.com show. I'm saying I heard there's going to be a train on that show and that's going to be the runaway train. <laughs> I'm Batman. And I evidently hate the Cybertruck according to the internet. And Batman. <laughs> Bye. And Batman. See ya. checking out another episode of the official gunnageek.com show if you like the show please give us a five-star review in apple podcasts or a thumbs up on youtube 
You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.